answer that question by asking you two questions. One, is this or is this not? Chasing history. Jake Larson. I needed to find this Shaka Khan song. I couldn't think of the name of it, and so I had to stop in the middle of the sidewalk. And two-time Nebraska walk-on trial participant Colton Stone. <laughs> I'm putting a 12-6 that only has a 12 right at the batter's head. <laughs> yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. We're like talk football, am I right? Good morning, beautiful people. It's 10 a.m. on a Friday. You know what that means? It's Chasing History time. Chasing History on 90.3 Karen and Lincoln. I'm Colton Snow alongside, as always, Jake Larson. You're right, Jake. Uh, I think there's something going on Sunday. Um, um, yeah, there's some commercials that are going to be on. Oh, I'm going to make cheese dip. That's what it is. Right, right. I don't think I anything else is going is on. It, is it cool if I have, like, I'll t- taste a little bit? Of your cheese dip. Yeah, it's going to be spicy. Is okay. that okay? Yeah. I, I'm a spicy Some jalapenos. Guy. I love spice. Ooh, absolutely. I'm trying Sounds to think delicious. if there's anything else. I think that's it. Yeah. No. All right. Well, uh, thank it's you for tuning It's been a good show. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> anyway, well, first, before we go into the obvious, the, the elephant on the, in the within the nation and the rest of the world, the Super Bowl, um, wanted to bring up, if you LeBron didn't LeBron James is back. Is that who? what you're going to bring up? No. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Anyway. Uh uh, you have one thing, and then I have one thing. Yeah, no problem. Um, I guess, how, night, how are you this morning, too? And you good? No, don't worry about that. You're anyway, here? <laughs> I'm here. Um, anyway, it's the first of the month. And second of all, last night I watched the new 30 for 30 um, on uh, Dion's double play on story of Dion Sanders, mainly the controversy that surrounded him uh, within the 92 season mm-hmm. when he switched between – when he – truly played football and baseball at the same time, like flying back and forth, pretty much getting no sleep between the two. Well, yeah, uh, didn't he, he, if I remember correctly, he played, you uh, watch the uh, documentary. Well, I will. Okay. I, no, I, you know, it's, it's, no, honestly, work, so. it's a very good watch. It was just like any other 30 for 30. Um, uh, if I remember correctly, there was a time that he, he played in a baseball game and then had to like immediately get on a plane to go play mm-hmm. a playoff game for the Falcons. Right. Other way around. Other way around. He played a playoff, game, playoff game for yeah. the Braves. Yeah, because that was what they talk about. I don't want to spoil this for you or anything. Well, but. it's not like the, I mean, <laughs> I know. So <laughs> I think it's already happened. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he his main focus was football, and he had mentioned that he. But he he liked baseball too much that he didn't just want to do, which you know I understand because it is the greatest sport. Ever he liked baseball too much that he didn't want that he wanted to play at least part time. Right. And so in his contract, um, was he was to be a full time football player starting on August first of each season. So for baseball he would play up until the trade deadline, and then he was playing full time for football. Though he had there was something that was somewhat unofficial, saying that if the Braves. Did make the postseason. He would rejoin for the postseason, especially. And part of it too was, um, so he, of course Dion, you know, was a speed demon, and so really good base stealer. That Braves team had, you know, a couple uh, another stolen base guy who could easily fill in for him and started throughout the year named Otis Nixon, um, mm-hmm. who is the all-time. Steals leader among non Hall of Fame inductees. I think he has like 600 plus steals over his career. Just absolute beast um, with the stolen base as well. But 
he was suspended for three weeks for illegal drug use. And so along with switching between playing in the playoffs, he also played for three weeks in September of uh, for the Atlanta Braves. And so it just discuss, discusses the controversy surrounding, like, because everyone on the Braves, for example, was like, you know, if he has that athletic ability and wants to play both football and baseball, go ahead. We su- totally support him. Mm-hmm. But then you had baseball purists who were, you know, against the idea of him. And I, my main thing that I got out of it is I just have solidified my idea and I and this is coming from someone who's a Raiders fan, and you know, one of my favorite baseball teams is the Kansas City Royals. Mm-hmm. Deion Sanders is the better athlete than Bo Jackson, and I will stick by that strongly. Now you could argue, no, and I'll no. and I'll buy this the argument that if it wasn't for injury, Bo Jackson oh, yeah. would have been better. But when it's all said and done, what they had accomplished, what they have accomplished in sports. If you look just on that, I'm taking Deion Sanders easily. Because not only is Deion Sanders in the Hall of Fame and maybe the greatest corner of the modern era of football or the Mm post-merger, but people forget, and I don't think they brought this up in the documentary, but um, people forget that I think in 1991, so he only played about 100 games that season in baseball because uh, he left to play football. He still led the majors in triples, despite playing like half a season. What Dion did? Yeah, and he still led the league in triples. And I just think that says to like his ability to play both sports. And Bo Jackson was, you know, he. I will say he's you know much more quiet than Dion was. Um, you know, a little bit more humble, but. If you look at Bo Jackson's numbers in both sports, he was good. He was, you know, he was good in the pros. Mm-hmm. But they weren't as impressive of numbers as Deion Sanders. Well, that's the thing. And and like you said, you can you can say in injury, which happens to a lot of guys, injury ends up being the downfall of a lot of mm-hmm. I mean, especially for playing two sports, you you're just at a much higher risk of that happening to your knee. There we go. Yeah. Um, you're at a much higher risk of injury, of course. But th- the other point is, of, of course, what we try to do on this show and what you should do in general when looking at comparisons is, statistically speaking, the better dual sport athlete was Deion Sanders. And also – Athletically I, God-given, whatever you, wanna you say, want to say. If you true, pure skill – It's a debate. I could I – can, I can see why you would say I – get, I get why people say Bo Jackson – because I think it's Dion, just that he's a freak. Dion I mean, was, just look at him. Because Dion, you know, Bo Jackson was power and speed. He was a running back, yeah. um, a home run hitter. And he was like, oh, I'm, I'm exaggerating. I'm going to say he's like 290. That's not true. But, but he was like 230. Dion was just pure speed. He oh, was yeah. just pure speed. I mean, that's and the he position could, he played in football, too. And he could, and he just used that weapon to just kill. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like he was just pure speed. Like he, I mean, he hit home runs. Like he was. I mean, it wasn't like 126 career home runs. I think something like that for Dion. Yeah, 162. That's actually maybe. more than I thought. It's it's in the hundreds. It's low hundreds, but 
126, I think it was. Home runs? Yeah. 39. Oh, I was... Runs batted in, he has 168. That's has, okay, that's what I saw He has more then. stolen bases than he has runs batted in. Stolen bases is like 189, isn't it? Uh... Yeah, stolen base is 186. Okay, that's the number. Okay, so I was looking at the back end of those numbers, and I, I saw home runs, and I was just, he had, he had quite a few doubles too. Um, yeah, because that was his thing was he kept talking, and this was triples, like he was a monster with triples, double triples. Could, yeah. Um, because I mean, the thing whenever, is, if he put anything to the wall, of course he's gonna get. I mean, at least a double. <laughs> he's a he's a triple threat. I'm mean, not literally a triple threat, but he's a threat to get a triple every time he's up. At the plate. And also what I like about Sanders is we need – as someone who really wants to promote baseball and make it not really great again. Fun. but Make it fun. But, yeah, make it something new that people can appreciate. Baseball needs another Deion Sanders in terms of personality desperately. Well, desperately. They, were, they were kind of – and now it's not 100% official yet. He did declare for the NFL draft. But you have a guy like Kyler Murray where yeah, – And that's huge if he makes it. It, and it is a big deal. And here's the thing is this is the ongoing debate, and I, I don't know quite where you lean on it. I still don't really know where I lean on it. But people say, well, the money's in baseball. While that is correct, the immediate money is in football. So if he plays three, four, five years, he's automatically a starter it, wherever the, he goes. The, but the fame, the fame too, is, is in the football. NFL. Because if you get what's a cornerback or a quarter, a quarterback for uh, any team, the Browns after being in, after being a Heisman winner, uh, versus being a left fielder for the Oakland A's. <laughs> I I think we we had this debate at work. It was like, would you rather be would you rather be a guy that like barely sees time on just a random NFL team or play like second base for Well, if you're talking about playing barely in the NFL, there's no question baseball's the Right, but there there's a point where you're almost making the same amount of money for a team that let, let, so let's say you you are barely a factor on a Super Bowl team mm-hmm. or you're just playing second base for the Padres. What it would you rather it do? Doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, whichever one gets me more playing time doesn't matter. To the sport. <laughs> it's seriously how it is. Well, yeah. Because being a a regular factor on a baseball team or being oh, yeah. a non-factor on a good football team, I'm still taking being a bigger – which because I'm a bigger impact on the baseball team, clearly, this way. I, so the, the problem – lies and we i mean you and i have talked about this before is advertising of of course how many football players do you see in advertisements well mostly the starting quarterbacks but almost all of them right Mm -hmm. you've got deshaun watson cam newton tom brady does commercials peyton manning has done commercials so on and so forth who does baseball and then we talk about yeah frank thomas frank thomas not a joke joe mauer frank Bo Jackson has Joe, Joe Maurer in twenty ten. Yeah, it's seriously the two baseball players, quote unquote baseball players that have advertisements that I've seen recently are Bo Jackson and Frank, and Frank Thomas. Thomas, and that needs to be fixed bad. We, that's Barry why Bonds we need, is next. That's why we need. That's why we need someone like Deion Sanders in baseball. He brought, and they've talked about this when I watched a documentary on the ninety one Falcons. Yeah. 
Um, Dion was the first guy to really bring hip hop culture to the NFL. Right. And now imagine that same guy playing baseball with all these traditionalists and purists and everything else. You can white. You can say it. <laughs> well, no, I mean, no, I can't. No, you really can't because I know you hear there's every there's people of every race. Oh, all, yeah. There's so many old baseball guys. It doesn't matter. the. That's race, the thing really. with baseball, too, is like I feel like it's one of those sports that everyone plays. It's a little easier for everyone to play. Mm-hmm. And yet we're still at a point where not everyone is playing because you see guys again in the NFL that are making all this money, getting all this fame. That's and it's where, like, yeah, that's the intent, the it's like, okay, so example, John Carlos Stanton, right? This mm-hmm. was making, there's a boatload of money in Miami, but He's he was playing for the game. Marlins. Yeah. So it didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a guy. I mean, I of course this is like top the of the top, time, but the you have a guy time. like Tom Brady that's like making a decent amount of money, but he's like he's forty, forty one now, and he's like still considered one of the best players. I wouldn't say the best players in the league, but best quarterbacks in the league, and mm-hmm. gets all this attention. And it's like the dude's not even making. I mean, he's making decent money, but the thing, the main thing is that just bothers me is just that. Baseball, as of recently, does not get is not treated as a major league sport until the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah, and but like twenty five years ago, like, and I know, and it it's annoying because the strike killed the momentum that baseball had going for it. Um, Don't be surprised. There's another one coming soon. Too. No, there's going to be one, and they're predicting in the next five years. Which probably next year. But the thing is, but yeah. which is that bothers me is that it's just with this strike, it's not going to do anything in terms of popularity because baseball's at such a low right now that it's just not. If anything, really people will just care less. Exactly, and then if if they can, and is that I don't think they can at this point. Yeah, because um, the people that do care are the ones that are left that care. Yeah, and. But 25 years ago, baseball released um, – NBC and ABC joined together mm-hmm. with MLB to create the baseball network. And that was at a point where, among other things, baseball was rivaling um, the NFL in terms mm-hmm. of ratings. It yeah. Was that, it was – that's – which is crazy. Well, in the 90s, 20, what, 25, that'd be, yeah, 93. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, that's – I mean, obviously, the height of the late '80s into the '90s was the probably the height of baseball. Because, and also, what I and why I agree with that too, along with the popularity with everything um, in terms of baseball. But in terms of play of baseball, in my opinion, that was where it was at its peak. Yeah. We talk a lot about the show on the. There's the era of the stolen base here, of defense, the era of power hitting. In that era, it was a perfect balance of everything you had you had guys that you had a number of guys yeah. with an ops above one um you had a number of guys with like 60 70 stolen bases you had a number of guys with 200 plus strikeouts you had a number of guys um with 10 plus strikeouts for nine innings so in terms of you know just you know fire right fireman closers you had a mixture of everything in that in and, and you just and you had 
all the different kinds of culture, uh, you know, just in terms of, you know, racially, um, background, everyone was coming together to play baseball. Now it's a bunch of suburban white kids getting 12 strikeouts per nine innings is what it is now. And then, you know, 10 years ago, or wow, 15 years ago, I guess now, um, it was, you know, a bunch of people just hitting, you know, 60 home runs a season. Yeah. That era was a perfect balance of everything in terms of culture, style of play. And that made baseball so popular at that time. And that's what made it work for Dion to be, you know, able to play at that time. But that's no longer the case. Yes. So this actually, this works out nice before we get to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Um, What, what I wanted to bring up, like I said, we were talking about Kyler Murray. You talked about what that could do for baseball or football or whatever. Obviously the, the thing we've talked about is that once he played football, he realized the fame that he could get from it. And, you know, did it overtake his, I want to say his soul, but a little bit. Yeah, sure. Of course, the longevity is in baseball, but he's going to go play in Nantucket and play there for a year well, or two and slowly have to move up. The statistic is 10% of people who sign a baseball contract with major leagues, 10% of them make it to the major leagues. Right, and $5 million is no money to, like all guarantees, no money to be like well that's not that much but he's going to probably go in the first round of the nfl draft if he goes if he stays with it and that guaranteed money is going to be similar yeah, well, i mean you remember, I, you remember that but, bubba, you remember the bubba starling thing too mm-hmm. and which was, i don't blame him for that either i, I mean, don't blame five million him at all. five million going um you know with him you know we could also it's not as easy to compare with carl crawford who also committed to play quarterback at Nebraska, but yeah, what he a time that would have been. Yeah. He, but he became, you know, a, a major big deal, yeah. all star. With Bubba Starling, I hate saying it, but he kind of, you know, it was a bit, bit of a flop. There was a question whether he'd even make the, the major Storm league. Chasers, right? Um, he has played a couple games with the Royals, but he was a first round pick, and so it's just like there's a big question. It's like, is he ever going to play Major League Baseball? Yeah, and and I we're also in the era we're in the era where Tim Tebow might be making the Mets this year. Yeesh. Yeah, I, I don't know how likely that is, but he's worked his way up. It to would AAA. be it'd be like a September thing. It wouldn't be like yeah. he's going to get called up right after spring training. He's like, all right, any, here we go. And more than anything, we know that it's going to be more based on uh, him being Tim Tebow. How many than, jerseys he can sell than uh, his two hundred two batting average? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what I wanted to bring up just quickly, um, is you have, um, pitchers and catchers reporting mm-hmm. in a week, I believe. Um, and thinking uh, about two weeks, two yeah. weeks. Okay. So thinking about all the guys that are free agents, all the guys that are big deals that are free agents that haven't been signed yet, pitchers and catchers report <laughs> in less than two weeks. Mm-hmm. I, and I think part of that goes with, um, you know, we're talking about people joke about, oh, the NFL is the no fun league, but really the MLB is the no fun league if you really think about it because they've been, you know, you can't have colored sleeves, you can't have colored shoes, you can't you have to be a uniform, whatever. So my question to you is if, you know, we talk about baseball's popularity is losing its its luster. Mm-hmm. How big of a deal is it that a guy like Bryce Harper or a guy like 
I'm going to use just a name as an example, but you you know you've got the pitchers that um, are always moving. Say oh, it was uh, what was one of the names Dallas Keuchel, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got like him uh, and a pitcher. Well, Corey, <laughs> Kluber Corey Kluber is also unsigned, if I remember correctly. Too. I think that's right. And then so Bryce Harper, but you've so got, got like Bryce big Harper, names like that, right? Manny Machado, Manny Corey Machado, Kluber, yeah. um, Dallas Keuchel. I think was yeah. You mentioned mm-hmm. was the other one. It was that, probably the biggest four or five. That to me. Like I've said, it should be a big deal, but the average sports fan anymore will only know uh, Bryce Harper and maybe Manny Machado. Even like it's just baseball is just such a non-factor anymore, and so I just don't see how that's gonna it it'll it's gonna hurt, of course, but I don't think it's gonna hurt as much as people think because baseball's at such a low. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing too, um, we were talking about this. I believe it was uh, maybe this was a couple of years ago now. Um, the Washington Post did a survey mm-hmm. of Mike Trout and Kenneth Fareed. Now you know who Kenneth Fareed is, yeah, and you know who Mike Trout is, mm-hmm. obviously. Oh, but people, more people knew Kenneth, Kenneth who Reed. Kenneth Fareed was versus Mike Trout. And Mike Trout's supposed to be like your most marketable player. Yeah, the, the thing is, right he now. just doesn't really have a personality. No, I mean, but they also guy. really haven't let him have one either. Well, if you look at his, like, Twitter account, it's like, yay, go Eagles. I'm from Pennsylvania. Go well, Eagles. the thing, too. And he's, and he's just he's just a pure not, baseball nothing, player. There's nothing you can really market about him, but at the same time, he's one of the great. He's already one of the greatest baseball players that's ever played the game. Mike Trout or Bryce Harper, who are you taking? Oh, Mike Trout, no question about that. No question. See, Bryce Harper has more of the personality, but I think people, baseball purists, don't like the personality attitude. I, I don't care. I like personality. Oh, I, I mean, I, I do too. I'm just saying. But the, the, the thing is, is, so, yeah, Bryce Harper, you know, it comes off as a hothead a lot of the time. I'm just saying, I, if you want me to talk about, like, who I'd pick on my team, it, there's no question to be Mike Trout. Um, I don't care about the personality stuff. It's just that Bryce Harper is a – he's you know, he's got an unbelievable bat. Yeah. But the speed's not really there. Arms, fine. Defense is fine. With Mike Trout, Everything's home run. Everything's like great. <laughs> home run, yes. Single, yes. Double, yes. Stolen base, yes. Throw him out from the outfield, yes. Diving catch, home run rob, Yes. Double steal, yes, he can do all of it. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, yeah, like you said, if we're going for pure baseball talent, yeah, I'm probably taking Mike Trout. So, Super not that Bowl. Bryce Harper isn't, you know, whatever. Anyway, the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> I I know we we said right like right before we got on, we're just gonna bring up random Super Bowl topics, best worst teams, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a special uh, topic that I decided to search to yeah, see absolutely. if I could get any. Don't um, hear about it. Uh, Super Bowl conspiracy theories. <laughs> uh, at least of recent. I don't know how recent some of them are, but uh, well, I know um, there are quite a few. During one of my a crisis I had this week because of all the stuff that had just been piled up on my desk that I had to get through, I decided to listen through some old episodes of this show. First, I don't know why, but I did <laughs> anyway. Uh, I can think of a Masochism's couple. Masochism's a beautiful anyways, thing. One of them that I listened to was uh, the 
conspiracy theory episode we did. Mm-hmm. And first of all, I had a lot of awkward pauses when trying to think of something to say. Uh, is one thing I realized. The other one, uh, there is a couple Super Bowl topics that we did yeah. cover. But anyways, uh, some of them I don't think we've covered. So I want to hear your hear your uh, theories that you have. Uh, I'm just looking at uh, some of what these are. Someone said that the Super, Super Bowl 51 was fixed, the one that the Patriots came back against Falcons. Um you know Maybe. how much I hate the, you know how much I just hate the Patriots, and I'll well. take any conspiracy theory. <laughs> yep, I believe them. it. You know, yeah, so like, uh, so Tom Brady is from Mars. I'm like, yeah, you know, I can see that. That might be right. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Um, you know, here's the thing about that. What makes it true? Yeah, so. the other, uh, um, uh, of course, involved the Patriots again. Super Bowl Forty Nine. Uh, one yard line. Russell Wilson throws an interception when they could have just turned around, and handed off the Marshall. Yeah, that's Lynch. the conspiracy theory is that whoever wins the MVP obviously has to be in the limelight. Like it's because he won the MVP of the Super Bowl. So Russell Wilson threw it instead of handing it off uh, in order to make sure that Marshall Lynch did not win the MVP. Because if he would have scored a touchdown, it probably wins the MVP. Thoughts? Wow, that's <laughs> that's an interesting one. Uh, that's interesting. I don't know, but I, that's an I can believe it, but it's a, I don't believe it, not, but not it like, is an inter- I I do like I do like the theory. It's not I like Russell like Wilson's it. under center is like, you know what? I, I don't believe it. That, that's my award. Again, Here we go. Again, I don't believe it, but whoever thought of that uh conspiracy theory, that they did a good job. They did that that's a good one. I mean, that one that one That's did, a good one. Uh that one caught some legs like after because they're like, "Well, maybe it's because Marshawn Lynch like doesn't talk to the media." And it's like Well, cuz remember that wasn't that the I'm just here so I don't get fined. Was it that one or the year yeah, before? Because the year one. before they played the Broncos. Ooh, I he might have done it both years. I think it was especially against the Patriots cuz I remember Dion, I don't remember what company he was with. Maybe it was NFL Network at the time, but Dion was like the only one that had a real like interview with him, and everyone else was just getting like. Uh, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Uh, I'm the running back for the Seattle Seahawks. Just here so I don't get fined. They but, should have traded him to the Raiders earlier. I'm sure he would have been more cheerful. Yeah, I don't. I mean, and then and then I remember they made a big deal about oh he's he's sitting for the anthem which he's done his entire career. But yeah. hey, not the point. Um, another one. Uh, Ravens, Niners, lights go out. We talked about this, and there's I completely disagree with that one. <laughs> Super Bowl is the biggest thing of the year. I don't know how much money the NFL makes from it, but I can tell you that it's more money. It's probably ten times more money than both of us will ever see in our life. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> and so, at, le- at least ten times. <laughs> at least. Um. And so, why would they take such a risk to get one team to win when, first of all, neither of these teams the, – okay, the 49ers, yeah, they have a decent-sized fan base. But Baltimore, like, to me, I don't get how the NFL would try to rig one team to win when either of these teams in the, in the big picture aren't a huge factor for them. And they trailed by 22 points. I mean, that's... And 
But the main thing is they're making that risk and while what they're risking is their biggest revenue generator of the year. Yeah. Like, why would you put that at risk? Like, I've told this story is I remember that Super Bowl very well because what had happened was the, the lights go out. First of all, the one thing that you're saying was you you would believe it if they had cut to commercial during that blackout, which, you know, would have made money for the NFL, but they didn't. Yeah, they were like, oh, no, what's they, going on? Yeah, they didn't cut to commercial. So what happened was instead um, – my dad and I were watching, of course, you know, whole family's watching. And so it's like, it was going on for such a long time. It's like, all right, what else is on? So we switched to ESPN. And on ESPN during that game was like the finals of like the Caribbean baseball series. It was like between Cuba and the Dominican Republic. So we watched that and it was a really good game. In fact, we watched that, watched that more than we did the rest of the Super Bowl because mm-hmm. it was such a better game. And mm-hmm. I mean, my dad. And I, I mean, my dad's kind of more uh, in between football and baseball than I. And I'm more straight up baseball. But we still sat down and watched that. We'd rather watch that than the Super Bowl. And I'm sure that we weren't the only ones with that mindset during that time. Who's like, let's watch a really good baseball game, then. Uh, a stadium that has a power outage. Yeah. And so the NFL lost that number of viewers. No revenue was generated during that blackout. So I just, that one makes no sense to me. Uh, how there's just no legs on that one is essentially what I'm trying to say. Uh, Super Bowl 50 um, was controlled by officials that were fans of the Broncos. Um, low scoring um, game. Now, let me just read a couple of things. Yeah. One was because they thought they wanted Manning to retire as a champion. That's one part of it. Two, I mean, Peyton Manning had arguably probably one of the worst years of his career that year, but Von Miller is an animal. Um, if you remember correctly, Brock Osweiler basically took him to the Super Bowl. No, yeah, I remember because uh, that year, I remember uh, like week 14, I think it was, um, we went to dinner with my or no, like a brunch or whatever with my family uh-huh. and my dad and I talking about like, you know, it looks like Manning's not going to start today against the Raiders or whatever. Um, and it's just like funny because my whole life growing up, the best quarterback was, or one of them was Peyton Manning. Yeah. And now suddenly that, la- that, we knew it was his final, we kind of knew it was his final season, yeah. but at the same time, you expect him to still go out at least. If you know, like, you know. Close on top. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, uh, John Elway, mm-hmm. he retired a champion. And he, was, he wasn't the best player on those Broncos teams, but he was really close. He was yeah. one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL when he retired. Tom Brady's going to still be one of the best quarterbacks uh, when he retires. Uh, so many quarterback legends, when they retire, it you can tell that, you know, they're over the hill. Mm-hmm. But they're still really good. Yeah. And with Manning, it was just like he just looked like he looked like a second string player a lot of the time. Um, Part of the uh, I don't I remember being so I kind of like Carolina a little bit, but and I do not like Denver. I almost say I hate Denver, 
But if I remember correctly, I was kind of rooting for the Broncos. I think I was just so sick of Cam Newton in the dabbing well, at they, that point that I just was true. like, and I li- I've always they liked, were they were almost undefeated though, and, too. I've, and I've always liked Peyton Manning. Yeah, and I kind of I wanted to see him go out on top, so I kind of remember rooting for so Denver for some reason. Part of it was there were a couple of what they would call game altering um, calls against the Panthers. Um, there was a Jericho Cotri. Now this is in the first quarter, so you can debate whether it really mattered or not, but. He had a catch for first down that was ruled an incompletion. Then it was challenged, clearly showed that he caught the ball, and then uh, it still ruled, uh, held up the ruling. There was another time um, that Aqib Tlaib went offsides on a Graham Gano field goal that he ended up kicking, and he was like very visibly offsides. Um, it also was not long after the Super Bowl, but a wife of a replay assistant attended the game as a Denver fan. Coincidence. Interesting. Probably. And honestly, I I do kind of get that one. And part of it for me is, yeah, I know what happened the first quarter, but in the Super Bowl, those every, first plays matter. Oh, first of all, every play matters. But that those first plays always set the tempo for how the game's going to yeah. go. Um, yeah, I know about like the you know the Atlanta game and that huge comeback, but that's really the exception there. Um, the Denver when they played Seattle, do you remember that game? How the first play. Was the ball getting snapped over Peyton Manning? Oh yeah, head. and that was you knew the game was pretty much over. Yeah, that Seattle was going to win yeah. from that point on. There was no question about it. Yeah, I I remember like almost wanting to turn the TV off after that because I hated those Seattle teams so much because they were good. <laughs> yeah, and because I was just so sick of hearing Richard Sherman and Marshawn Lynch, uh, and or, so or the I, lack of Marshawn. <laughs> yeah, and so once that happened, I'm just like. I'm going to just watch the paid programming on all the other channels because no one tries. But I'd still rather watch that than watch the team I'm rooting for just get killed. Um, Super Bowl conspiracies that we have talked about. Spygate obviously led into a Super Bowl. Deflategate led into a Super Bowl. Um, Mm -hmm. Not that we need to really rehash those by any means. I think we might have talked about this one, uh, but it was when Joe Namath guaranteed the Jets would win the Super Bowl. uh, Super Bowl three, I believe. Yeah. Um, then known as the AFC or no AFL, AFL. NFL World Championship, right? Uh, no, actually, I think that might have been the first one to go by the Super Bowl. But anyway, I think it was well, it was Super Bowl three, but I think they were they hadn't quite done the whole NFC mm-hmm. AFC you know conference yeah. thing. But um, they that pretty much solidified the merger, if I'm correct. I think so. Yeah, because the first two Super Bowls, the AFL. Got killed. Yeah, right. So one of those teams being the Raiders. <laughs> um, so basically, what they were saying is that like they it could have been rigged because a the league wanted uh, a high profile team from New York. Well, which league? <laughs> well, AFL. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, well, it could have been the NFL trying to. That's true. Well, but anyways, so they wanted an AFL team to win or rigged to try to get an AFL team to win to raise interest in pro football also because an AFL team just had not stacked up to an NFL team at that point. So mm, it, is it, I don't know, but I, yeah, I don't know about that one, but I can, but I can say that Joe Namath is the most overrated quarterback. Oh my gosh. Probably one of the worst quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. But the fact that he was, you know, Broadway Joe, he, he, People he, looked, think, he looked the part of a quarterback, and he predicted that win, um, which was a huge upset, of course. That that alone is like 
turned him into a legend. But he's, yeah, he's not. You look at his numbers, and it's he was good that year. But you know who was also one of the best quarterbacks at one point in his career was Steve Bierlein, and we're not giving him a bust in the Hall of Fame. So uh, Trent Dilfer, <laughs> exactly. Well, Trent Dilfer actually was gar- garbage on his Super Bowl team, but you know he's you know a better quarterback but a than, champion. than I'll ever be. So. Um, I think there's one more at the top of this. Oh no, that is all. That that's all of them that are on this list. So um, I'm sure there's plenty more. Um, and I'm sure there's probably some that we've talked about that, like I said, we're just not going to rehash. But with that being said, and, and the reason I bring that up is because a lot of people are saying, well, look at what happened in the AFC, look what happened in the NFC. Obviously, you and I have talked about that, kind of what our thoughts and feelings are with that. I, honestly, I think the two teams that are in the Super Bowl right now are probably the will make the best matchup. But... I think a lot of people would have watched Rams Chiefs too, just because it would have been, uh, well, one more betting because the over, but two, it would have just been either. I that may have been the first time that either of those teams played defense. I feel like that at one point someone was going to have to play defense, but the what they played week ten and they both scored fifty. Well, so, well, at the same time though, is the Rams do have a good defense. They just, just choose. They choose not to use it. Uh, no, I just don't know what that. That I mean, that was a fun game to watch, but I don't know how they. Well, actually, I know why they gave up so many points, and that was Pat Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, but I mean, you've got and like, speed, you've like got, you've Tyree got the best, Hill and everybody. You've got the best. That's the best defensive line of football. Oh yeah, that's the thing is their front seven's incredible, and, and their so sec- is their secondary. Their secondary's but... good. I mean, but it's mainly just uh, that Talib, yeah. uh, keep Talib, but um. And Marcus Peters is good too, oh, but yeah. the problem is, is like. I, I think they I think they rely on their line a lot. And so mm-hmm. when it isn't successful, it's like, oh, we've got to actually play football now. This is rough. I just really want to see Ndamukong Sue rip Tom Brady's head off. That's all I want. Actually, yeah, yeah, the- actually what I really want to see this Super Bowl is Andre 3000 unannounced when Big come out when Big Boy is performing. I'm amazed that he's going to be performing, by the way. But that, right. we, we'll get into that in a bit. Fourth, fourth and goal on the one, Rex Burkhead and Dominican Sue for the tie. That's, who do, who that's do, a, are you saying who do I want? I'm that, just saying that's, that's, that's an ideal situation. Yeah, I'll take it. It's the only two, they're the only two on the field. And I'll really take it if uh, Sue, is, Sue stops him. <laughs> because That's the thing. Is that, like, that makes me so... I'm so disappointed in Rex Burkhead for playing for the Patriots. He was one of my favorite Nebraska players. Ever. It's a perfect. He's, it's he's a perfect one of those place guys for him, that, though. He can just oh, be a role player. He exactly. doesn't have to. No, I know that that's there's run no it a hundred times. I know that there's you know, I know that it's the perfect place for him, but it still is just really upsetting <laughs> to me. That's true. Someone's, how many how many years until Jordan Westerkamp is the number two receiver for the uh, New England Patriots? What times does Super Bowl start? <laughs> Um, a little over two days from now. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if you can sign free agents at this point, but... I don't think you can. Might as well, right? Um, that That's the thing. The, the point that someone made was if you have to root between Ndamukong Sue and Rex Burkhead, that the Patriots are more likely to get back to the Super Bowl than the Rams probably are. So if you're really conflicted... Oh, Rex I'm, is Rex is on a 
two year contract or has two more years on his contract with the Patriots, and those two year, two years they have a better chance of getting back to the Super Bowl probably than the Rams do. Well, yeah, but just because it's the Patriots. I mean, the Rams are a really good team. I see them being built for the future. They're you know as a but dynasty the Saints team, are good. The Saints are really good. There's um, some other teams that are up and coming. The, I mean, the Chiefs are so fun to watch, and I yeah. My brother, you know, They'll keep getting living better. in that area now, it's like, I know I'm a Raiders fan, but it's so difficult for me to not switch over. Raiders is fun to watch. Yeah, it's so it's yeah. gonna be it's it's gonna be a fight for me to not switch from Raiders to Chiefs, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, um, so the other things we want to talk about, like I said, we kind of just talk about. Um, I want to hear your favorite teams that have played in the Super Bowl historically. I'm kind of interested to see kind of what you look for in a football team. Mm. Oh man, I'm just gonna punch everything in here really quick. With I guess my elbow is not a punch, but um, I'm trying to. Here's the thing: like, I'm trying to think of like at least Super Bowls I've watched because I'm not gonna say like, oh, uh, in 1979. Oh, I'll well, tell you what. Uh, I'll tell you what. That's gonna be my answer. <laughs> so you're welcome to go ahead and say that. Uh, you know the. Uh, 66 Chiefs, you know, I tell, I tell you what. <laughs> yeah, I might have got – Remember it like it was yesterday. Um, uh, you know, I remember you You were on that uh, – you were on that D-line, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, I, sh- I shared time. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but you no, were, I, you were part of that Redwood Forest defense, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the thing is, like, growing up, I, I kind of, like, switched between, like, teams as I was growing up. Um, and – I just so happened to be rooting for Tampa at the right time. Um, well, that so was, you remember when they played the Raiders? Yeah. That's the thing is, so of course, you know that I'm a Raiders fan. Yeah. I don't remember that Super Bowl. I don't remember any 03, Super Bowl right? yeah. that year or before it. My first year, like Might really. what, six, so. My first year really knowing that like the NFL. Existed. I mean, kind of. I mean, I had backyard football when I was like four or five years old. So I knew who John Elway – I knew the teams, and I knew who John Elway and Steve Young were. But, um, you know, I still assume – Knew who Ken Stabler I, was. I, I assume that they were still playing. But my first year knowing what was currently going on a little bit in the NFL was 03. And so it shocked me that the Raiders were in the Super Bowl in 03 because <laughs> immediately after that, they were garbage and have really, for the most part, continued to be since yeah. then. So I grew up only that, knowing the bad Oakland Raiders. Yeah, which is much. still I'm kind of disappointed that I missed out on like my one opportunity to have seen yeah. them done okay. Because uh, I think they went to they went to back to back Super Bowls. If I remember correctly. The Raiders. Yeah. In the 2000s. Wasn't it? No. Or or Mm-mm. oh, uh, I don't think they've ever been back to back. It wasn't back to back. I think because Gruden was with the Raiders, they almost made the Super Bowl. They should have, but the Tuck rule. Yeah, and then that's what it was. And then he got traded to Tampa, which yeah, I think is the funniest thing that you can I trade coaches. It, but oh yeah, I, um, I just learned that too. Which is basically just—it's not really trading; it's just dumping the contract on someone else, <laughs> pretty much. But um, and you know who ended up being the coach for the Raiders? Bill Callahan. I don't. I think we have to censor that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, which no, I mean, great offensive line coach, just. But oh, yeah, no, so he's a, you know he's a good pro offensive mind yeah he just, just head, head coaching just, isn't which happens a lot obviously you see how many head coaches get fired every year but um yeah so that 031 uh kind of sticks in my mind a little bit the uh t 
T.O. Donovan McNabb, Eagles. That one um, was a fun one. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, as, at least as a kid, obviously, like I said, you grow up and it's kind of just like you either are picking a team based on the mascot, what the logo is, mm-hmm. are they winning. Um, and, like, I kind of started – uh, even as a Washington fan, I kind of started like rooting for the NFC East, except for Cowboys, because I'll never do that. No, I'll never root for the Cowboys. But I'm not even an NFC East At one guy. point, I don't know how old I was, but at one point I had a Cleveland Browns hat. And What what was on that hat? It said Cleveland Browns. Oh, okay. I thought it was and, just going to be like the helmet, which and it is was like just, really weird. And it was just the orange helmet. That's all it was. So <laughs> it said Cleveland, orange helmet, and then the Browns, right? That's what like, always confuses me. And like, it was like a beige hat. Is like with that logo, it's so weird to wear a hat you, with a helmet on it. Well, you want to know why I liked the hat? What? Because of the logo. I was like three or four probably, right? <laughs> I was just like, I kind of I like that it's just an orange helmet. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. And then the next that's... year I realized that was dumb. Uh, yeah. But no, the, the thing is I don't really have like a favorite Super Bowl, but there have been some fun teams. Like I said, the T.O. Donovan McNabb, I wish they would have won. Uh, that Buccaneers team was really fun to watch. Um, the Giants beating the Patriots two different times was fun to watch. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, the one where the one where they had no business even being in the playoffs, let alone beating the undefeated Patriots. The Colts, that was my favorite Super Bowl. Probably one of my favorites that I've watched. Now that I really think, about it. I mean, the Saints Colts was incredible, but Colts Bears also those two. I was disappointed. Were really good. I I like the they're one of my favorite teams, and so it was upsetting to see who's not at this point. It's upsetting to see the Colts win that. So, um, also Devin Hester's <laughs> opens the game my, with a kickoff return for a touchdown. Yeah, my uh, so my family have we have Chicago roots. Yeah, and so we had one of my cousins was watching the game, and he's he did a, one of the you know he's the biggest Bears fan I've ever met. It's not even close. And I just remember biggest just as in no like. no in terms of <laughs> spirit in terms of spirit. Um. And we just were like, okay, it's the kickoff, whatever, he'll get it back to like, you know, the 20 or 30. And then he like makes a, it. Like a normal and person. My, my cousin is just screaming. He's just like <laughs> losing it, uh, jumping up and down. And everyone else is like, yay, uh, 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 you, you good? Like, like you, you doing all right? <laughs> Where's he at? I mean, my, Running up and down the stairs. I mean, there's a couple teams that for me that come to mind in terms of favorites that I've you know, watched uh, when it happened or have watched in retrospect. Right. Um, you know, the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Just pure. That team was literally only defense. They could have not even fielded anything what? except for a ki- uh, their kickoff or a kicker. They're literally the, the SCLSU mud dogs. Yeah. <laughs> well, football. well, the other thing, too, I mean, and then people were kind of comparing like, of course, exactly 15 years later after that, it was the Broncos winning with basically just defense. And, like, there is a comparison. I wouldn't say Von Miller and Ray Lewis are on the same level. Um, it's kind of They're close, close though. And that's, and that's what I'm saying is they're – I mean, once Von Miller's done, of course he's probably going to be one of the best yeah. linebacker yeah, slash linebackers. stand-up defensive end, whatever you want to call him, because he'll play on the line a little bit. But, um, but very similar because – like it's not that the Broncos team didn't have offense. They obviously had Demarius Thomas. I believe they had Julius Thomas still at and the then, time too. Uh, but with that, no Ravens Sean Moreno, team, maybe with that Ravens field? team. How many? I think the only time in history that a team has won the Super Bowl 
and then cut their court starting quarterback. <laughs> Trent Dilfer, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so Probably because they realized, team, like, think, we should have won this easier. I think Priest Holmes was on that Ravens team, but he wasn't much of a factor at that point. He had to right. reach. Once he went to the Chiefs, it was a whole different story, but he of was course. a non-factor. Seriously, the only offensive factor on that team was an over-the-hill Shannon Sharp at tight end. Oh, yeah. And, like I said, he was over-the-hill, and he's a tight end. Shay Sharp. Uh, but on that defense, you just had – at everybody. That's one that comes to mind. Um, but the two that really stick out for me are the show on ter- greatest show on turf. Yep. I grew up a Rams fan. I grew up Marshall Falk being my favorite football player. Um, and so watching highlights of that team is so much fun because it's just it's just they will kill you in any aspect of offense, over the air, um, on the ground. Like how there's no way that any team could really defend a play action against that team because either way they're getting a first down. Um, and not only that, but that Super Bowl has, it's so fun to watch. I oh, yeah. recommend anyone to watch the SB nation deep rewind on the one yard catch at the end of the game. Uh, they discuss both teams leading up to that Super Bowl and how that game played out in which for the most part, that Rams offense was really shut down. You're talking about how the Titans like ended up on the one yard line. Yes, okay. it's it, there's, it's called deep rewind. I recommend anyone. Oh, I've watched to it. check that out. Yeah, um, very good watch. But the other one that team that really sticks out for me is um, the 03 Carolina Panthers, which seems like a seemingly random pick, right? But part of it is that was the first Super Bowl I remember watching. Uh, we had a family reunion in. Arizona at that time right and so everyone in that in our family and it was very much extended family and I've not seen a lot of these people since we showed up and I think we were like the only, this was before that Patriots dynasty like really took off so this is when it started taking off <laughs> yeah and so everyone there was like rooting for the Patriots except us um, because I'm not sure if you know this but we um you know, and this is uh, well, my dad mentioned something, and I'll get to that in a second. And I, I do agree with this, but um, with what he said, but um, oh three Carolina Panthers. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. They had some star. They had some good players. They were one of those teams that didn't really have any big time names on their team, mm-hmm. but they had Stephen Davis, you know, former Redskin, very good power runner, who led their offense. Uh, Jake Delhomme, who's he's a decent quarterback for most of his career, mm-hmm. um, and Chris Jenkins, one of the top, you know, defensive players in the league. But the that team was really led by their defense, and the two guys that led it, that really were like their star players, were both Nebraska guys. Uh, in Mike Rucker, and Mike after dinner mentor. In after dinner mentor, <laughs> and I think, and it's like it's just funny that they're that's one of the two teams. Uh, the other being the 49ers in the 80s were a team. Actually, I'd say the Carolina Panthers more so, where the big factor on a Super Bowl team was Nebraska Cornhuskers and Minner and Rucker. I mean, we're we're forgetting all about. Uh, I just I just Musha Muhammad. I mean, I mean no. The, I mean the the team was. You know, all around a solid team. Oh, yeah. But you could argue that the reason they made that Super Bowl 
was because of the old Nebraska, the old, the pride of all Nebraska, and the not the marching band, but Mike Minner and and the lose by just three points to a team that is now st- still making Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, completely different players other than Tom Brady, yeah. but but they were fourteen and two Patriots. <laughs> yeah, They're a yeah. really good team. Yeah. Um, but also, so of course there was the uh, West Coast uh, 49ers of the yeah. 80s that you know really picked up the passing stuff. But they also had a dominating rushing attack. People forget about that. And also, except for around here, people tend to forget that their running back, no, both their running backs, their fullback and halfback were both Nebraska guys on those 49ers teams. Mm-hmm. And so I respect those two. That was Roger Craig and Tom Rathman in the cornfield backfield. And I think you've seen the image where the first few years of their career, they, you know, on the front of the helmet, they have the decal that has like the word mark logo yeah. on the front of their helmet. Well, they took their 49ers one out and they put in their old Huskers decal until the NFL uh, made told them. no. Until the NFL told them no. But that's... But that's yeah, fun. that's one of the two times that you know Nebraska really. It, thanks Head, to thanks headlined. to thanks to the Nebraska Cornhuskers, teams made it to the Super Bowl, and so I can't. I have to like those teams. Right before you get to that, really quick, I just want to say with those Panthers. So they go eleven and five and lose to a four, like you said, a fourteen and two, mm-hmm. uh, sandwiched in between that Super Bowl season or two seven and nine seasons. So yeah, uh, well, that because that's the thing is the Carolina Panthers and the John Boyce again. Thank you for creating the show, John Boys. Um, it's not even close how unpredictable. Like they did a thing by how unpredictable NFL teams are over like the past thirty years. Ever, yeah. And John Boyce is like for the Carolina Panthers, they did it like a variation. He did a variation index, and Carolina Panthers. It's like. All the teams are, you know, kind of close together. It kind of gradually goes up and up and up. And then you get to the number one Panthers, and it just shoots, like, way up for them. It's not even, like, and there's some guy commented, it's like, you know, I'm a Panthers fan. I just thought it was normal for us to go, like, 1-15 and 15 and then go, like, 10-6. and six, And then the next year we go, like, 6-10 and 10 and then, like, go to 15-1. and one And then we go to, like, 3-13. and 13. Yeah, that's the thing because with so it's many teams, you're just like, oh, it's going to go up and down. No big deal. Whatever. And then you see teams that are like literally almost a flat line. <laughs> Anyways, so my dad had texted us uh, in the middle of this, and I wanted to mention his point, and it was the Jake and Colton Super Bowl of 1984, in which uh, the Raiders beat the Redskins 38 to nine. And he, my dad has to mention yeah. that uh, Barry Manilow, the legendary, <laughs> the the songbird of a generation, Barry Manilow, sang the national anthem for the that Super Bowl. Which I personally think that, um, once again, Andre 3000 needs to make an appearance for the Super Bowl. It'd be incredible. And he, yeah, he could sing the national anthem to the tune of Hey Ya. <laughs> uh, there you go. But no, yeah, that's uh, what I'm rooting for in this Super Bowl is Big Boy to actually turn around and be the headliner. I'm trying to think, what is this? Twenty Super Bowl 28 would have been 84, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cost of a 30-second commercial, $368,000. Now it's like millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. Um, and what's funny is that the coin toss, were so Bronco Nagurski. Mm-hmm. He also just texted me that, too. <laughs> uh, about three minutes here, a little more. but Also, uh, I want to give a shout-out to the 98 Falcon, the Dirty Birds. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Your name's the Dirty Birds. 
You, you get to be on the list. Another thing I want to mention about the Super It'd be Bowl. Be like, who do we I'm let amazed. into the club? Uh, dirty. Yeah, go ahead. And you should. And you. Should, I want to just get your reaction on air. Search Jack Tatum hit in Super Bowl. I think 1976. This is the. You know. This is true. This is the peak of the Raiders organization right here. I'm not gonna play the audio out loud, but. Um, yeah, I just want you to see the the hit. And this and this is my the pinnacle of the Raiders and this is the pinnacle of the Super Bowl. We'll never reach this glory ever again. I gotta, in see, terms it, of, I gotta see it one more time because this dude's just like dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, did you see where his chin strap? Well, it's it's kind of grainy video, so I'm just like trying to uh wish I could get some enhancement here. Okay, here we go. We're getting re- we're getting a replay. I wish this was a visual media. All right, and I'll explain uh, uh, to the viewer at home or listener at home. So I'm pretty sure there's only one. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> so we're just showing him right now. I love how the ref was just like. Is the the reaction <laughs> to the biggest hit in Super Bowl history, and maybe in my opinion, my favorite hit. Ever in football. I mean, Sean Taylor on a on a punter in that's, a Pro Bowl is still incredible. That's close, but. that's close number two. But this <laughs> was Jack Tatum, uh, the hardest hitting defensive back uh, since you know the post merger era. You know, since face mac face mask has been banned. Right. Um. Anyway, so a this was 1976, and a Minnesota Viking receiver was running a slant uh, across you know midfield, which you shouldn't do against the 1970s Raiders, but he does so anyway. Or has in, his head turned, ever, but. Has his head turned, catches the ball. Jack Tatum leads with the helmet, hits him right under the chin, and then you just see his chin strap. His helmet flies off, of course, but his chin strap just goes flying into space, and I'm sure it's just that chin strap is going to land – Outside of, of Anderson days. Hall, uh, <laughs> any minute now because I don't think that thing ever landed. It's absolutely recommend you check that one out. Quick, greatest greatest moment in Super Bowl history, in my opinion. Quickly, uh, maybe the most upsetting loss in a recent Super Bowl. Mine is the uh, Cardinals and Kurt Warner losing the Steelers because James Harrison stepped out of bounds. Uh, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna have to agree with that. I feel like I always get disappointed at the Super Bowl, but that was probably the biggest one. I uh, just for me. I really wanted to see Kurt. Warner no, actually, go out for me, as a Falcons guy, you know, two years ago, that was devastating. That, that was rough too. Uh, Jake, uh, twenty-three seconds. All I right, shout out to Rolly, shout out to Pot Roast, shout out to Mustache Man, shout out to Worley, shout out to Shide So, shout out to my dad, shout out to all the mommies keeping it high and tight. Am I missing anything? I think cool? you actually got all of them this time. Yeah. Thanks My microphone for, is on fire right now. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the Super Bowl on Sunday. It's been Chasing History on 90.3 Karen U. Lincoln. We will catch you guys next week.